I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, August 12, 2021. Welcome to a special edition of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Although I'm taking a few days off, the CJN Daily has some great content for you to listen to as we're rewinding to some of our best episodes from when the podcast started, in case you missed it or you want to hear it again. On today's episode of the CJN Daily, we're taking a look at the Jewish response this summer to the shocking news about how Canada treated its Indigenous people, especially the 215 graves of children discovered at the former residential school in Kamloops, B.C., and why a Holocaust survivor has teamed up with a residential school survivor so they help each other to cope with their own traumas and teach others about it. And you'll meet the Saskatchewan Jewish artist who paints their portraits. We have some thanks to give, so uh, I'm going to step up uh, and honor my friend uh, Robbie. And it's always important to uh, touch base with the Creator when you when we're doing what we're doing. That's the sound of Eugene Arcon, a Cree leader from the Muskeg Lake First Nation in Saskatchewan. He's the survivor of two Indian residential schools, and he's appearing at the start of an online virtual talk together with his friend, 90-year-old Robbie Waisman of Vancouver a Jewish child survivor of the Holocaust. The pair are both featured in a powerful art exhibit on display at several galleries in Saskatchewan this summer. The exhibit has 18 portraits, and that's no accident, nine Holocaust survivors and nine Indian residential school survivors, and of course 18 is for life. The artist who painted them is Jewish herself. Now she hopes people who see the art show will be moved to learn more about both genocides and what Jewish people can do to help residential school survivors heal. This isn't an Indigenous problem. This is a problem for all of us to solve. And it's going to take, first of all, us accepting the facts of the situation, the history that has happened, understanding, and then trying to take these recommended steps of reconciliation through the TRC Commission's calls to try and and heal some of these relationships Robbie Waisman is a well-known Holocaust speaker. When he was 11 in Poland, he was forced to work in a munitions factory. At age 14, he was sent to Buchenwald, and he was in the same group of teens as Elie Wiesel. Eugene Arcon was forced to attend Indian residential schools in Saskatchewan for 11 years. Now he's an official with Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Commission and also speaks widely about his experiences. For a few years now, they've joined forces, and they speak together at schools and various events, they had to do the art show launch in Prince Albert virtually because of the pandemic. So it would be wonderful to have another occasion where we can meet and give each other a hug. Like they say in Yiddish, Abigizint. Artist Carol Wiley says she was inspired by Robbie Waisman's view that it's his sacred duty and responsibility to help Canada's residential school survivors. Carol joins me now from her studio in Saskatoon. What gave you the idea to actually begin this journey? So it began with Holocaust survivors and thinking about what, what way can I help to keep this, these memories alive and, and tangible and real for people as the years go by. And then there was a series of things that happened after that. I took some Indigenous training at um, my workplace, which at that time was the Mendel Art Gallery, now has become Remy Modern, where they mentioned that the 
the Duncan Campbell Scott, who set up, was sort of intrinsic in setting up the first residential schools, called it the final solution. And I like, I almost fell off my chair when I heard that, because this is long before Hitler ever used that expression for the Jewish problem. And so I started to look up things online and found these examples of Robbie Wiseman meeting with residential school survivors and traveling and speaking about how he's talking about ways that he dealt with his trauma and moved on from that and how he could be helpful in passing on some of that information and, and talking about how you heal generational trauma. And these connections just became so strong. And I realized that I live in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is a hotbed for residential schools. We have a really fraught history here around the residential school system. Our last one closed in 1996. That's how recent this is. So as a white settler in this part of the country, I thought, you know, it really makes sense to me to connect these two groups of people. And in light of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, thinking of this is maybe a small step that I can take towards reconciliation in the place where I live. And it's not without its fraughtness. There's a, a, a history and um, a really dark part of art history uh, that involves non-Indigenous artists using the images of Indigenous people in an exploitive way. Um, and so uh, there have been some naysayers in the art world thinking that's something I probably shouldn't have done because I'm not Indigenous. And um, without exception, all of the residential school survivors say, no, no, we, we're really happy to be part of this project. We're really happy you're raising the volume of our voices and our stories. Talk to me about how the Jewish um, uh, community angle uh, informs this project. We, we are the target of discrimination this, the same way that Indigenous people are the target of discrimination. And I think that we, with our history, should have a deep understanding of what that feels like. Um, to to have to be part of a community that 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 the world at one point in time wanted to completely eliminate. There's something about the Jewish culture that has, despite everything, survived. And I think that that the connection between a, 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 a the Jewish population and the Jewish community and the indigenous community that is maybe at a place where they are struggling to to refine some of those things, to, to learn, go back to their original language, learn original languages, learn uh, spiritual practices and start to, to move towards them and raising their children within those kinds of practices again, is really kind of parallel, only a different time in history to what, what um, the Jews did after, everything, after we were sort of decimated by what happened in, in uh, the Holocaust that um, those cultural practices, we understand the importance of those cultural practices in the survival of the Jewish community. And I think that's something that the indigenous community is really beginning to understand how important those cultural practices are to their survival as well. That's what it sounded like outside the former Indian residential school in Kamloops, BC, where the graves of 215 children have been discovered. Since the news was made public last week, the local First Nation community, the Tikemloops Teshekwimek, have invited the general public to come to their powwow grounds near the burial site each night for a memorial ceremony. It was an invitation the small Jewish community of Kamloops felt a duty to accept. I think as a Jew, as a Jewish person, I just knew that I had to go. Mm -hmm. 
You've probably seen the images out of Kamloops, British Columbia, and the unspeakable grief of the indigenous community over proof of the fate of 215 of their children who were taken under official Canadian government policy and forcibly educated at the Indian Residential School in Kamloops. The school operated for nearly 80 years, from 1893 to 1977. Most of that time, the Catholic Church was in charge. Kamloops Jewish community was able to actually visit with their grieving indigenous neighbors and friends. Nine members attended the nightly healing and drumming circles in person. Coming up, the president of the Kamloops Jewish community, Heidi Coleman, shares her experience. That drumming was recorded by Heidi Coleman Sunday night at the powwow grounds of the Tekemloops Teshekwamuk people in Kamloops. Coleman is the president of the Jewish community in the city, located in the southern interior of B.C. There are about 60 Jewish residents. Coleman and her family moved to Kamloops several years ago from Montreal, and Heidi Coleman joins me now. You personally had the chance to go down and uh, pay your respects at the uh, museum grounds where the near where the bodies were discovered. So it was put out on Facebook that they were having a powwow, a drumming, uh, a healing drumming at the powwow is what they call it. Uh, Not far from the residential school from the powwow, you can see the school. You know, some people felt, oh, I don't want to go. I don't go. But I think as a Jew, as a Jewish person, I just knew that I had to go and that I understood that that it would be open for everyone. Were you aware of the fact that Kamloops had the largest residential school when you moved there? So no, I did not know that one before I moved here. But when I moved here, you can't miss it. You can see the school. It looks like, I'm sure you've seen pictures by now. It looks like a, a very large red brick building. I've been in it because it houses the museum. And uh, so, and it's well known that it, that it's um, closed like one of the latest, like in 76 or something like that. Uh, you know, it's what's interesting and what I learned from living here is that my mother had taught Canadian history at the what was then the Protestant School Board or the English Montreal School Board. She taught for like so many years and won awards for teaching, but never did she teach anything about the 60s scoop or about the missing children. And when, when she called me about it, and we've talked about this many times, she said, wasn't in the curriculum. We didn't even know about it. So I learned so much about just living in BC where where they talk a lot about the 60s scoop. Like people have said, you know, this moment might be manufactured in the sense that people are talking about it this week. But if you ask any elder or I have um, an indigenous person on my board, he'll say, George will say, oh, my God, you go into the museum and you hear the kids crying. Your community felt that it needed to make a statement. Yeah. Do you want to tell us what you you said? You know, I'm really not going to talk about our own Holocaust and genocide. I think it's clear when it comes from the Jewish community what that means. But I just we're just writing to say that we stand with you. Uh, and uh, I'm having different people add some text to it and just to talk about how, um, you know, what that, uh, you know, one one loss is terrible. 215, that, you know, this is this is the loss of their culture, of the future of kids, you know, that could have become something. And also, you know, to as a mother, as a woman, just to not understand how your child goes missing and you don't know um, where they've been and, and looking for people to um, to take responsibility for it. 
And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. If you like the podcast, you can get it sent to your email inbox several times a week. Just subscribe to the CJN newsletter. And you can also get it by going to the Purple Apple Podcast app on your iPhone and searching for us, the CJN Daily. And we'll end the episode now with more of Heidi Coleman's recording of The Drumming Circle. Oh.